BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Senators Ted Cruz made a trip to Mar-a-Lago to see President Trump, and I had a good chance to visit with him. I'll tell you all about all things MAGA happening here in Palm Beach and with President Trump. So you're not going to want to miss that. And Congresswoman Liz Cheney took on Trump, and now she's on her way out. Will the Never Trumpers learn their lesson ever? Anna Paulina is a MAGA candidate running for Congress, and she'll be here to talk about it. And as Bill Gates is getting a divorce, we are learning a lot about his weird personal life. And we'll tell you all about one certain thing that he owns more of than any other American, and you won't believe it. All of that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. Good evening, I'm Dr. Gina. Welcome to Primetime. We start off tonight with a doctor's orders. Like every night here on the show, we give you special insight on all things MAGA that you won't get anyplace else. And of course, that's the reason um, that we bring this to you. And it's because we are the only network that has a home base right here in Palm Beach, Florida. And that's another reason why you want to keep your TV or your smartphone or however it is you watch tuned right here to RAV TV all the time. And that's also why you don't want to miss Dr. Gina Primetime, not ever, if you really want to know what's happening in the 45 offices and here in the MAGA movement, Mecca. So last night, we took some friends that we had in from out of town, Naples, Florida, out to dinner at Mar-a-Lago. We do this a lot of nights. It was a beautiful evening in Palm Beach. The sun was beginning to set and we were having drinks around the bar before being seated. And we noticed immediately that the president's table was roped off and that meant that he would be dining at the table right next to us, which was great news to us, especially since we had our friends who had come all the way from the other side of Florida. So we were especially excited for them. But before the president came in, in came Senator Ted Cruz. Now, he tweeted about his time with the president last night, and a lot of media outlets picked that up. He tweeted that the president was in good spirits and that they were working hard on 2022 and 2024. Now, it's interesting. I have had some mixed emotions in the past about Senator Ted Cruz, and he knows this. I actually, once upon a time, was co-chair of Women for Cruz California. That was before I knew Donald Trump was running for president in early 2015. And this ended up actually causing a huge rift in my personal and professional life with business partners of mine who stayed with Ted Cruz when I moved over to Donald Trump. In fact, even my husband initially was with Ted Cruz while I was full square, full on with Donald Trump. But the confusion really came for me with Ted Cruz at the Republican National Convention, you'll remember. In 2016, I was both a delegate and a media surrogate for then-candidate Donald Trump. I was standing in the very front row as a California delegate the night when Ted Cruz took the stage, and I fully expected him to endorse our nominee that night, Donald J. Trump. You remember this? But when he took the stage and told the delegates to vote their conscience and did not end up endorsing Donald Trump, 
I remember feeling not just appalled, but like many of you in the MAGA movement, I felt violated. I felt like we had been sort of teased into that moment of giving him the stage and then that he had not come through with the endorsement that we had all been sort of winked and nod was going to happen, right? So since then, my relationship with him has been tenuous. But I've seen him at several events, several times, and, and though he seems to have taken the mantle of MAGA and America first, I guess I just don't understand at what point we all decide we can trust his motives, and that's kept me from feeling maybe 100% loyal as a Ted Cruz person. So I do a lot of work for a lot of candidates, and he's one that up to this point I hadn't helped for this reason since that day back in 2016, as you remember. And I've had many private conversations with President Trump about this and also uh, with Senator Cruz. But last night, when he walked in on this beautiful, balmy evening in Palm Beach, it felt great to greet him at the most beautiful club in the world with my friends and some of my family around and kind of to get a fresh start. It was nice to see him there. And I figured if Donald Trump invited him there and if he could extend that grace, then so could I. So he came over, hung out with us for a while before the president arrived and we got lots of pictures and we had some great conversations about all that's happening in the news these days. And uh, then he took a seat beside the president and we took our seat next to them at the adjacent table. And we were watching when they took the very picture that you saw posted everywhere today. And uh, we even saw them get some selfies and some fun things like that. It was fun to get to enjoy their small talk back and forth a little bit while having dinner ourselves and then visiting with them both a little bit afterwards. And indeed, as Senator Cruz said, the president was in great spirits. He really usually always is in great spirits every single night at dinner that I see him. He's golfing by day, conducting important meetings, as you can do when you're golfing, and you know that if you golf, it's a great sport. I tell my kids this all the time. Golf because it's a great way to have meetings and enjoy beautiful outdoors and especially beautiful here in Palm Beach. And then, you know, the president moves on and has more meetings in the afternoon. They've converted a large portion of his beautiful Mar-a-Lago into offices there. And so he's working, I think, probably as much as he's ever worked in his life. And then a lot of times he'll have dinner um, with his friends and family gathered around. Now, every time he walks in for dinner, I want to tell you this, it doesn't matter how many times it happens, the whole room stands in heartfelt applause. This is, there is never an exception to this. And no matter how many times he walks in that room, how many times he stands up to leave, that room will always erupt in applause and respect for this president that created the best economy, the best foreign relations, the most unified Republican Party. Don't listen to the never Trumper haters that lie about this. There's like four dangling participles out there that nobody cares about. And you know who they are, Romney and Cheney and the rest of them. And uh, he also created the best America in U.S. history. And he feels that love and respect every single night. And I want you to know that because you text me and ask me about this all the time. You want to know that he's doing well, that he's still on it. Yes, he is. And that he's still committed to uncovering all the truths about 2020. Yes, he is. And that he looks to me like a man with a plan for 22 and 24 and all beyond that. He is working hard as ever, um, just in a different location. And in a much more relaxing location, I might add. Have you been to Washington, D.C. lately? It's not a pretty place to be. They even blocked off the cherry blossoms this year. We have beautiful palm trees and a beautiful ocean. He's in his element, and I want you to take heart in that. Don't despair. Donald Trump has plans, 
And though I'm only privy to a tiny little corner of it, what I do know is that he's still making plans, he's still playing 3D chess, he's still very, very much your capable leader. And you can take that to the bank. And that's your doctor's orders for tonight. Now on over at Facebook, the very ominous sounding Facebook oversight board has made its decision. And they say that President Trump's First Amendment free speech right should not be restored on their platform. They announced this morning that they will continue the President Trump ban on Facebook. Facebook oversight board consists of a bunch of foreign politicians, foreign academics, and a bunch of attorneys. <laughs> Sounds completely impartial to me. And they each make a six-figure salary from Mark Zuckerberg, and they are given the final say on who does get to have free, and, free speech rather, and who doesn't, right? So President Trump has launched a site to communicate with his followers. He calls it From the Desk of Donald J. Trump, and it's essentially a news feed of what, ex what it is that he wants to say to the world. I've spoken to you many times about the things that he's told me about this, and he's very excited about it. He likes it because it's uncomplicated. It's straightforward. Um, he told me all about it one night at an event right before he launched it. And now I want to tell you, contrary to some reports on some news media, this is not a social media platform. I'm going to repeat that. This is not a social media platform. President himself will tell you this. People cannot comment. They cannot sign up. Uh, you you know it's not it's not shareable in the direct ways. Although it is shareable, you can share his messages there to Facebook or other places if you'd like. So maybe that would be a fun thing for all of us to do now that Facebook says that President Trump is not allowed there. We can just all share his stuff out there for him. Anyway, Jeff Brain, who is the founder and CEO of my personal favorite, a great social media site, is up uh, a little later on in the show, and I'm interested to see if Jeff has a board of foreign politicians and lawyers who are paid six figures to tell him who can be on his site. So we'll ask him. You can stick around for that. And as you can see, we are still monitoring that Arizona election audit, and we will be bringing you any updates that come from that audit. We will be sticking that at you all the time because you know why? Because it's important and because the rest of the media doesn't really want to cover it because I think, you know why? I think they're really worried about this audit. Check out this headline from Vox.com today. It says, what's behind Arizona's bizarre, haphazard, and highly partisan audit of the 2020 election? See, that's the same voice I used to describe the Facebook board. I'm pretty sure it's some of the same people. But anyway, if the left really believed that there was no fraud and no irregularities in the 2020 election, and if they really believed that Joe Biden is so compelling and magnanimous that he's the most popular politician in U.S. history, receive a record-breaking 81 million votes. Gosh, I love that guy. Then uh, they would be embracing the audit and doing them in every state where there's any question of the vote tallies from the 2020 election because they would want to prove to you, right? They would want to prove to you that it was all done on the up and up, right? But they're not. So what does that tell you? See? Easy math we do here on Dr. Gina Primetime every single night. Simple math. We talk about real science, real math, and real news. And it all comes down to easy answers and a lot of good news and a lot of good things to look forward to. All right, coming up, did you know that Bill Gates is the biggest farmer in the United States? That's right. We're learning a lot about Bill Gates now that he'll be dividing his fortune with his soon-to-be ex-wife. And uh, ironically, he's asked for your privacy. 
I just find great irony in that. There's a lot more you won't believe about Bill Gates that we're going to tell you about tonight, too. Right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay put. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, establishment GOP Congresswoman Liz Cheney is the third most powerful Republican in House leadership. Well, that's at least for now. Congressman Steve Scalise says that he now supports giving Liz Cheney the boot from her leadership positions, considering that she voted for Trump's impeachment, and also considering that Cheney is a huge distraction from the mission that Republicans should be pursuing, which is things like winning in 2022 and 2024, little things like that. Now, Elise Stefanik in line to replace Cheney, and Congressman Scalise says that she has his full support. But this isn't an isolated incident. No, it is not. All the Never Trumpers are being pushed out of the party of Trump because Trump is the leader. Make no mistake, this is Donald Trump's party. And here with me now, the Republican candidate in Florida's 13th district and a major MAGA girl at that, Anna Paulina Luna. Anna Paulina, great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Having me back on, Dr. G. Always. Now, you are planning to be part of this huge coming MAGA wave. I feel it in my bones. Everything is pointing to it in 2022. And Liz Cheney and all the other Never Trumpers had better watch their backs because this wave is coming, correct? Absolutely. In fact, it always confuses me because you would think that as a legislature, legis legislator that these people would realize that they're supposed to be representing the wants and the needs of their people, that they're not these mini oligarchs. And it seems like Liz Cheney has forgotten what the base wants. And the base does want Donald Trump. They want the pro-America, freedom-first agenda that President Trump brought and really, I think, rekindled in the spirit of the American people. So Liz Cheney, I do think that she's on her way out. And I'm glad to see that Scalise is going to get behind someone like Stefanik. Stefanik has been recruiting female candidates. And I think that a lot of the GOP is realizing either you get on the Trump train or you're out. That's something that I will gladly support because I myself am a pro-Trump candidate. Yeah, and, and, and you and I both are, I'm not a candidate, obviously, um, but you and I both are, and, and I think it's always important to note because people love to chalk this up to some sycophantic um, uh, obsession or something like that, um, and it's not. I, I honestly did not know that much about Donald Trump um, before he started laying out policy, but this is the policy I always wanted for my country and for my family, and I know you stand the same way. I wanted to see America first. I wanted to see peace in the Middle East. I wanted to see a thriving economy, and all of those uh, amazing promises kept, made promises kept, and even just the accountability. You know, instead of just someone talking about, oh, I'm going to um, do this or that during the campaign, but them to actually do what they said they were going to do, and more, and more, with a million knives in their back. Still amazing to me what this one man accomplished um, and I know that's your reason for supporting him as well but you take a look if you if you just do the column Anna Polina you just do the column of, of the never Trumpers or even the milk toast Trumpers you know t you take someone like I was just talking about Ted Cruz he was at Mar-a-Lago last night ran into him at dinner had a great conversation with him he had a moment though at the RNC convention in 2016 we all remember I was standing there in the front row as a delegate and as a uh, surrogate 
for Donald Trump. And I remember the moment where we all felt betrayed for what Ted Cruz did. No matter how much we loved Ted Cruz before that, that moment made us question everything we thought we understood. And it took many of us a very long time, some of us will never get over it, it took many of us a very long time uh, to forgive that. But you look at people like, for example, Mike Pence. Um, I know a lot of people that have taken their MAGA gear and they have scratched Mike Pence's name right off of it. And, and that is not surprising to me because when you betray Donald Trump, you are betraying a massive movement uh, that people have been asking for since the Bushes and the Doles and all of the other milquetoast candidates were out there that we had to just swallow as bitter pill election after bitter pill election was shoved down our throats, for those of us who remember the history of the Republican Party. And I, and I want to give you a chance to comment on that because I don't ever want to be castigated, I guess, as a sycophant, and I know you don't either. Exactly. In fact, it's interesting that you bring that up because right after I lost my election in November, which mind you, I ran against a former governor of Florida and I was outspent by about $3 million right after my primary. And I did not get help, at least the help that we should have gotten from the people that you would expect, which was, you know, our own party. They should have absolutely spent more money in our race. But I will say that I actually received an email in particular from someone who was supposed to be a supporter. And he wrote me, he goes, Anna, you know, you had a great race, but I want you to know that Trump is now out of the picture. And if you ever get behind him, you will be canceled in Washington, D.C. You will never win another election again. And I just simply cannot support you. And I read that and I thought about it and I realized how out of touch that person is because when I campaign, when I go out there, I realize that the Trump movement and the Trump ideology of what put this nation first is a constitutional ideology, that it's based on what the founding fathers wanted and that this person, one, had never run a campaign the way that I did. In fact, I brought it so close, but also to that I realized that that person, just as we're seeing now, is the old guard that's no longer in Washington, D.C. And I do think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm running for office, I do think that based on what I'm seeing, that there will be a replacement of those people that worked against President Trump, that worked essentially against the American people and do not promote an American first agenda. And frankly, the reason I became a Trump candidate is because I really did respect the fact that this man, having never served political office before, did something for the Hispanic American demographics that no, uh, demographic that no other president had done. And not only did he acknowledge us, but he also too chose to tackle human trafficking, which is affecting our community greatly. And so mm. I, as someone who is multicultural, multiracial, and someone who's half Hispanic, realized that I could put you know, all of the propaganda outside of what I believed and vote for someone, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, I really am too. And I and I really do think that you're absolutely right about this. And I think that, you know, it almost seems as though the Trump derangement syndrome is so bad that these folks are uneducable, at least some of them. You have your Lindsey Grahams and you have your Ted Cruz's who obviously figured it out, whether it's for purposes of expediency and, uh, and, and, and you know, pragmatics or, or whether it's, you know, really truly heartfelt and they've come around. It doesn't really matter. It's about being on the side of the American people because we are a center-right country who really does love our country. And if you don't love our country, then you're on the wrong side of you know this president. And so I agree with you. And I love seeing MAGA candidates out there like you. And you are absolutely right. And I don't know how, and I wanna come back to the party conversation because I think it's really important. 
Um, I've seen a lot of disappointing things about the Republican Party over my whole, whole life. But even in this last election, uh, when those Senate races were happening with Loeffler and some of them, um, my husband and some of my reporters from this network were in the building that day watching the vote. We had no poll watchers. We had no lawyers in those buildings. We had no eyes on those elections. And guess what? And do you know that it, it, they were on a retreat? in Amelia Island that weekend. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of questions to ask about this Republican Party before I'm ready to get back out there and, and fight that fight with them again and pretend like everything's okay. Until then, it's just the party of Trump for me. How about you? Well, I th I agree. In fact, I feel very blessed to be in the state of Florida because I think that we have a lot of good grassroots organizers here, and the Republican leadership here in the state of uh, Florida is absolutely amazing. But you know, states like Georgia, like your husband, I mean, I was out there and I felt that the candidates also were not doing what they should have, which was if you're a candidate for Senate, you have to go do the grassroots stuff. You have to go to the Hispanic and the Black churches, and I didn't I didn't see that at all. And I felt like you know you have to fight fire with fire, mm -hmm. and you have to make your case known, and and that if you're not going to do that, you can't just simply spend money and expect to get elected. It's about really showing the voters that you care, that you're going to fight for the issues, whatever your platform is. And I'm hoping that in 2022 and 2024, moving forward, that the great people of Georgia have good candidates. Maybe we'll see Herschel Walker Jones, who knows? But I'm hoping that people will, you know, choose better leadership so that we can actually take back those seats because Georgia is a red state and it's very unfortunate how they chalked everything up in that race to simply race. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's just so great to have folks like you uh, running. Happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way. We'll be celebrating tonight, doing a little toasting on that note as well. And I hope that you have a great evening as well. Thank you. All right. Anna Paulina, everybody, check her out. She's all over social media. You totally can't miss her. This is a race that you're going to want to watch. All right. Over at Facebook, the Facebook Oversight Board has made its big decision. And they say President Trump's ban We'll continue. Facebook Oversight Board consists of a couple of Americans, but mostly foreign politicians, foreign academics, attorneys from around the globe who all happen to be paid a six-figure salary from Mark Zuckerberg. And it's pretty scary to think that these elitists are given the final say on who gets to have free speech and who doesn't. Here with me now, founder and CEO of my favorite personal, uh, personal favorite, I should say, a social media site. <laughs> this is not my personal media site. I just took ownership of your of your company. Jeff Brain, welcome to the show. Great to have you back here. Excited to see you. So much good happening with your company. It is growing exponentially. Every single time I'm on there, you've got a new button or a new group or a new. Uh, I noticed that, uh, who did I see on there today? Oh, I saw my pillow. My pillow, Mike. Mike is on there now. Mike Lindell yeah. is on there. I noticed that he joined today, and uh, he's got a Dr. Gina code. If anybody goes out there and wants to buy some pillows, he's got some great new slippers too. I happen to notice that feel completely like heaven, and so it's perfect that he is now on Cloud Hub. And, uh, and I'm out there on Cloud Hub, as are the Borellis, who are good friends of this show, and uh, so many others. Jeff, um, are you surprised that Facebook is continuing with their blatant censorship of a president of the United States? You'd think they'd be afraid that he's going to start his own site, because one of these days, he's going to do something like that. Sure. Well, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't surprised. You know, they... Uh, social media, big tech is betraying the American people once again, right? They 
banning you know m many of the people you just mentioned off of their platforms and that's why they've come to cloud hub and we welcome them there but to shut down the president of the united states you know half the country at least supports him and this is not just about denying him an opportunity to speak his message as a former president and world leader but it's denying us the public the ability to hear what he has to say and and that's just wrong if if uh, conservative side had done this to Barack Obama, it would have been just as wrong. Uh, we, we would have called them out. It's, it's not right to take a person who was elected to the highest office in the land and deny him the ability to speak to the public. After all, he wasn't uh, found guilty of anything, right? He, he wasn't charged with anything. Uh, he's done nothing wrong and uh, he shouldn't be taken off of Facebook. Well, in celebration of uh, what I'm calling National Facebook Censorship Day, I'm going to be posting my personal Clout Hub link where everyone can join up, um, and they'll get um, they get some extra advantages when they join up with my link. And I'm going to be posting that all over all of social media today in celebration of National Face Facebook Censorship Day, uh, right um, right in time for the show today, and uh, and so right as soon as the show is done, and so everybody can go there and. Uh, and enjoy that. But Jeff, I have to ask because I think it's yeah. a, a compelling question. Do you have an oversight board like Facebook does made up of foreign politicians and attorneys and foreign academics from around the world who get to decide who gets to enjoy free speech on CloudHub? Well, I think that raises a good point, right? Does that oversight board represent the American people? Does it reflect the, the voter uh, base? And, and I would venture to say there probably wasn't anyone on that platform or at least that, that supported Donald Trump. And on CloudHub, what we have is we have free speech attorneys that we can reach out to and speak to that have volunteered to work with us when there are issues, and it's worked very well. We have really, uh, you know, we're, we're a free speech platform. People are welcome to bring their ideas and their opinions. We encourage that. We're a place for the tough discussions to happen. Maybe Facebook doesn't want them, but CloudHub is a place where people can come and debate, discuss, and connect and collaborate and address the issues they care about. So we're not about oversight boards from foreign countries and, you know, particular leanings that censor people. That That's for them. We're all about free speech and empowering people. Yeah, when, when people ask me about CloudHub, I always just say, you know, I fell in love because to me, it's the best of every social media world that I know. It functions to me a little bit like Twitter, the things I like about Twitter, but it's got kind of the color of Instagram and Facebook, which is fun. But the best part, the best part, and what I really like about it is you really shied away, not only from the censorship, which I think goes without saying, because that's what we were just talking about, but also, um, and, and any partisanship, I want to say also, it's not partisan. There are people and groups on there that I personally don't care for and don't care to associate with. But guess what? The great part is I don't have to, <laughs> because that's what free speech is in this country, and that's how it should be. Um, the only thing you really do ban, if you will, is a published list of words and phrases that are are hurtful and insightful and and terrible and 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 i think and it's published and it's the same same for everybody there's no no exception to that doesn't matter what party or any of the other identities you want to go with you just can't say these things and i think it's it's very smart um and it's not overbearing either um but jeff um the thing that i really love about this i started to say about about your site in particular is that it gives 
folks the ability to organize. And, yes. um, and, and that is really something that is just so different. Um, I guess Facebook did it to a certain degree, but then when you don't know when they're going to pull the rug out from under you and ban you and your group, right. it doesn't really mean much. <laughs> so, right. uh, so that's the great thing. And people can put their shows up there and things like that too. So Jeff, um, you're really creating something special and giving people an outlet where one was taken away. So thank you for that. And thanks for being here again. Well, thank you for having me. All right, and I'll be posting a special link to that, which comes with some advantages um, if you do sign up with this link, as far as I understand it. And coming up, there is more evidence now that Derek Chauvin trial was absolutely not fair. Oh, we're all so shocked. There's just so much news out there, like that the elections actually had irregularities and the Derek Chauvin trial wasn't fair and all the things that conservatives predicted just seem to come true, like that were fortune tellers. Anyway, a BLM activist lied to get on that jury to convict him. So is that the future of our judicial system? Ju just, ju I'll get this word out, judicial system. There we go. Is due process dead? Bob Barr is up next to react right here on Dr. Gina Brown Facts. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Time Time. Now for a while, I've been warning that our constitutional due process rights are deteriorating rapidly during the trial of Derek Chauvin mobs gather outside gathered outside the courthouse and that no doubt intimidated the jurors and now we find out of all things that a BLM activist lied in order to gain a seat on that jury here's the headline recently found photo of Chauvin juror at the protest could endanger guilty verdict juror Brandon Mitchell was photographed at a rally wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirt can you even imagine if this situation were reversed. Anyway, just another item in the long list of problems with that trial. We had a congresswoman whipping up the crowd outside. You remember that? We had Joe Biden commenting on national television before the trial was even over. We had a mob outside the courthouse. The jury was not sequestered and was not even told to avoid all news of the trial. And now we see that this BLM essentially infiltrated the jury trial and is going on TV to brag about it, saying that, well, BLM needed to be represented. Of course, he didn't disclose that in the jury interviews. Anyway, here with me now to discuss former federal prosecutor and former congressman, Bob Barr. Bob, great to see you. Thank you for being with us today, Congressman. Sure, glad to be with you, Gina. Okay, now let's go through these details here. Brandon Mitchell, he was a juror, of course, in this trial, and Chauvin is seen in that infamous video with his knee on the back of George Floyd, or knee, neck, we don't really know. Um, there are two sides of that story, as we all know. Floyd died, protests and riots ensued, and Brandon Mitchell, a juror in that trial, attended a BLM protest wearing a shirt that said, get your knee off our necks. Uh, Congressman, tell me, after attending that BLM protest, should that man have been on that jury? Well, this brings to mind a, uh, a Latin phrase that we use uh, and learn about in law school, and it's called yep. mess. This trial was a mess from beginning to end. Mm. And you've already indicated some of the reasons uh, why uh, the jury was not sequestered. There was tremendous uh, overbearing, overwhelming pre-trial and during the trial publicity, including 
Maxine Waters out there whipping up the uh, the crowd uh, for a, a guilty, guilty, guilty verdict, as you called it. You had the president himself weighing in on national TV. Uh, I don't know that there's really any way at all that, that, that this officer, uh, as bad as the his behavior seems to have been, certainly could have gotten a fair trial in that environment. Uh, and now we have this uh, juror uh, who one did not disclose what seems to be a clear bias in favor of Black Lives Matter and black violence uh, more generally. Uh, but uh, one wonders why the defense team did not find this out. Uh, did they not uh, inquire thoroughly? Did they not watch, uh, look at YouTube? I mean, there are a lot of tools available uh, to a defense attorney to discover mm. uh, these sorts of things in jurors' backgrounds. Now, that doesn't excuse mm. it if it's a uh, juror lied about it, uh, which uh, apparently he did. And that should disqualify him, and it could very well leave him open to criminal charges in addition okay, to yeah. uh, being a reason for a new trial. Yeah, What what is the penalty for lying to get a spot on a jury? Well, it it uh, it depends, of course, on the on the state law, but it uh, it uh, is a, a felony uh, under federal law in a federal case. This wasn't a federal case, but I suspect that it is uh, in uh, in that jurisdiction uh, in Minnesota uh, a felony, which would mean more than one year. I don't know exactly what it would be, but it it should be taken, Gina, as a serious offense, no, not as just a minor, uh, oh, I forgot to mention something, uh, Judge, so don't uh, don't hold it against me. It is very serious, and it goes to something you mentioned uh, in your intro, and that is it undermines the credibility of our very system of justice, which is uh, on rocky shoals right now anyway. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and he's going around, and I'm not going to play this because we just don't have the time and I really don't want to give him the attention. But he's going around on national television saying that uh, he he did it because he thinks that uh, his demographic should be represented. And he didn't feel like this was something that he needed to disclose because he wanted to make sure he was on the jury. Um, is that kind of reasoning uh, uh, something that could keep him out of trouble? If he, I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. And I just can't believe that we are witnessing this with our justice system. But could that kind of thing stand up and keep him out of trouble? Because, Congressman, we all know they don't want more rioting and they're scared to death. And they think as long as they fold, as long as the powers that be fold to the rioters again and again, then uh, somehow that's going to prevent them from rioting, even though all it's really doing is causing more loss of life and more blood in the streets. There are two ways of looking at this and answer to your question. One, should it uh, uh, let him uh, skate and uh, not be held accountable? No. Will it? That's the more important question because in our society now, and we see this as a fundamental cultural, ch cultural change in, in America, uh, there is no accountability because everybody is their own uh, boss. Everybody is yeah. their own uh, determiner of what is right or wrong. Uh, we saw that in the uh, in the first impeachment of President Trump, for example, some uh, yeah. bureaucrat and some CIA analysts decided that their view of what a president should be saying was more important than the president. So to heck with the security agreement they signed. Uh, this is a real problem where everybody is uh, is their own boss and nobody can tell them what to do. And that apparently is the arrogance that we're seeing with this uh, juror. And I hope that it does not 
so prejudice the judge in the case that he does not take action against the juror. Congressman, there was also an alternate juror who did an interview with local news media, and the reporter asked her if she wanted to be a juror, and she gave a very disturbing answer. Listen. Did you want to be a juror? I had mixed feelings. There was a question on the questionnaire about that, and I put I didn't know, because um, the reason at that time was obviously I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So I felt like either way the outcome was, you're going to disappoint one group or the other. So I didn't want to go through this whole rioting and destruction again and, you know, a little concerned about people outside my house if they weren't happy with the verdict. Right. I did not want to go through rioting and destruction again, and I was concerned about people coming to my house if they were not happy with the verdict. Congressman, that alternate juror was obviously afraid of the mob if a guilty verdict was not returned. Is there any way that Chauvin got a fair trial with that mob waiting outside threatening people? I don't think so. Uh, and this again goes to uh, why the trial was held under the circumstances that it was. Why was not the jury protected? Why they, were they not sequestered? Uh, why was there not a change of venue? Uh, these are all very, very serious questions. And I think underlying the entire process, Gina, including the way the judge operated, uh, everything had to do with fear of the mob if things didn't go the right way. And that indeed is a problem that's still with us. If in fact uh, there are there is action taken against this juror, uh, or if there is a new trial uh, ordered by the court, then uh, everybody will fear that this will lead to more riots, more uh, more Black Lives Matters uh, violence, and so forth. So that is indeed the threat of violence uh, is now infecting the very core of our judicial system, and we cannot long survive with that happening. Do you think the trial's thrown out? I doubt it. Uh, I, I, I do. I think that there were very serious uh, problems with it. But the fact that it went forward as it did in the first place leads me, lead, leads me to believe that it won't be overturned, at least not from what I've seen. And, and that's unfortunate because, again, as bad as what this officer appears clearly to have done, he deserves a fair trial, and I don't think he got it. Hmm. Well, woe to the rest of us is all I have to say about that. Um, Bob Barr, Congressman, thank you so much for being with us tonight. My pleasure. And coming up, uh, we will be back with some news you did not know, so you're not going to want to miss it because you won't get it anyplace else. Stay tuned. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, it is time for some news that you did not know. And here with us now, just like she is every day, from our RAV headquarters in Denver, Colorado, our own Jessica Rivera. Jessica, tell us what you have for us today. 
Thank you, Dr. Gina. Yeah, Coca-Cola has issued a statement, and that statement says, quote, we believe the best way to make progress now is for everyone to come together and listen, respectfully share concerns and collaborate on a path forward. We remained open to productive conversations with advocacy groups and lawmakers who may have differing views. It's time to find common ground. In the end, we all want the same thing, free and fair elections, the cornerstone of our democracy, end quote. The statement comes months after Coca-Cola stopped advertising on Facebook and called for Facebook to censor President Trump. The corporation made the decision to pander and side with leftists and cancel culture by praising racial equity. Coca-Cola also demanded that its legal team meet diversity quotas since the soft drink giant made the decision. Many on the right made their decision to boycott Coca-Cola products and how the tides have turned. Dr. Gina, now Coca-Cola is trying to bring Americans together, and we know what that means. Their sales must be hurting, plain and simple. But ultimately, boycotters will be the ones to decide whether they will once again patronize Coca-Cola, or are they going to be done with Coca-Cola for good? Dr. Gina, back to you. Thank you so much, Jessica. All right, and we have also a fake news alert for you. Now, we showed you this photo yesterday that was tweeted from the Carter Center Twitter account, and it shows the masked Nazi Joe Biden maskless indoors with former President Jimmy Carter. But the fake news is all over the story for all of the wrong reasons. There are so many ridiculous headlines out there that read like this. Why do the Carters look so tiny in their photo with the Bidens? Bidens appear to tower over, over Jimmy and Rosalind Carter in dollhouse photo. Why do the Carters look so tiny alongside Joe Biden and his wife Jill in this picture? And there are a thousand more ridiculous, no one cares about it, headlines like that to distract you from the one that actually mentions them being maskless as if you're too stupid to know the difference. The obsession with this optical illusion is completely absurd. No one knows, no one, I mean, no one cares about it, and no one asked about it. The real story is that the Bidens wear masks everywhere except in the presence of uh, frail, elderly, 90-something-year-old people, and the news media can barely mention the hypocrisy here. We talked about it yesterday, and here with me now, radio talk show host Andrea Kay. Andrea, great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Always good to be with you, Dr. Gina. Now, Andrea, the media doesn't want us to notice the hypocrisy of the Bidens here, but the amazing part, and, and it struck me right away, I saw, I saw it trending on Twitter, I saw it trending on all of the sites that don't want you to realize uh, exactly what's going on here, and that is that they're maskless inside with the 90-year-olds, but outside they were wearing masks, and of course they were wearing masks around Nancy Pelosi and around Kamala Harris uh, the other day, and so on and so forth. The whole thing is like a dog and pony show. But the amazing part is how dumb they really think the American people are. It is an outrage and an insult beyond measure at this point, is it not? Well, absolutely it is. I mean, they think if they don't, you know, if they don't, uh, mainstream media doesn't do a story on it, report it, that we're not going to notice or that they're going to distract us with the size differential. Of course, as people get old and frail, their their positions and their postures, you know, are going to end up being a part of what happened in the illusion of the picture here. They don't want you focused on the reality. Then let's talk about for a year that you couldn't visit your elderly family and loved ones in a nursing home. I have somebody dear to me who died alone last year. Nobody could go and visit her. 
and hold her hand to say goodbye to her. You couldn't visit family and loved ones. You still have a hard time getting into a nursing home. We're still expected to wear masks everywhere we go in case uh, we might uh, come in contact across the street from an elderly person. Children still can't go to school right now in many places right. because they might take it home to a grandparent. Yet here we've got... Uh, the, the elderly president and and his wife, first lady, going and visiting a couple of ninety-something-year-olds year without a mask. If that's safe to do, then we need to be as as a country have everybody just take their mask off right now. Yeah, and bottom line is, you know, the Carters are tiny and frail. People do shrink as they get older. I keep measuring myself and sitting up a little straighter. But um, you know, they. <laughs> But they, but they do, and, and the, the media doesn't want us to think about the, the mask hypocrisy. The media doesn't want us to think about the Arizona election audit that we are running all the time in the corner of our shows. Um, the media doesn't want us to think about the Biden border crisis. Uh, the media doesn't want us to think about any of this, so they just literally make up trending headlines that no one cares about. It's, it's astonishing. But, Andrea, I want to ask you about some other odd stories out there today. Bill Gates and his divorce is in the headlines, and we are finding out that he has a very weird arrangement with his wife where he would go on trips with his ex-girlfriend um, and I believe even asked her permission to marry his current wife, which is even weirder. Um, you know, who knows, Andrea? These folks are bizarre, beyond bizarre, but you know, we take their word for like absolute biblical fact uh, whenever they say anything because they give a lot of money to charity. So we just, we forget it all. And then now they're asking us for privacy uh, in this uh, time of need, which I find absolutely astonishing. Well, the whole thing is astonishing. I find it astonishing that he was able, to, in spite of his money, he was able to find two women to want to spend time with him and hang out. Uh, you know, I find it astonishing that there's any woman out there who would agree to this as part of any relationship, as part of her marriage. I mean, you know, on a serious tip, this should raise questions about their character and about their integrity and who they are as people. Because, yeah, this man is amassing not just a, a digital empire like he did, but control globally over so many aspects of not just our society here, but around the world, right? And and, and yet he's demanding, and, and in the course of all that, he's Mr. Eavesdrop, right? With this technology and every aspect of our lives is supposed to be subject to privacy, uh, no privacy and controls, right? This is a guy that wants vaccine passports for everybody. Now he wants privacy in his personal life. And now there's reports yeah. that he's wanting to set up something called smart cities to where um, it's, it's no cars, no cash. It's a full digital lifestyle to where every product or service is purchased with a palm print so that they can track every aspect of your life. Uh, that's his plan for us, which is supposedly one reason why he's buying up a bunch of farmland to control every aspect of our lives. But hey, we're not supposed to be asking any questions about that crazy marriage. Yeah, and now that the world has their eyes on Bill Gates and his fortune, it's being reported that he's the largest farmland owner in the United States. And Andrea, after this divorce, he won't be the biggest farmland owner any longer, I guess, will he? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe he'll have to fight it out with her over who gets to work the hoe, right? Uh, you know, on the land anywhere. We know that... Uh, Whoa. That, that... <laughs> <laughs> Family show just went all down the tubes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and Andrea... Uh, well, yeah. um, I, I've only got a second left, but I've got to get you on this one before I let you go. Um, since you're a California girl, um, thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner for governor, real quick. Well, I just think that we've already been down the road of, of socially liberal and fiscally, uh, somebody claiming socially liberal and fiscally conservative. We've been down that road. It failed with Arnold, and we need a true conservative to take over. Wow. And do you think one's going to get in this race? 
Uh, hopefully soon. We, I, we don't have one yet. And it's certainly not Mayor Faulkner here in San Diego who was on the beach with a bullhorn last summer telling people, keep it moving. You weren't allowed to sit on the beach or stand on the beach, but yet uh, you had to keep walking on the beach. That's that's somebody that we should be, should be laughed right off the, the stage. Yes, agreed. All right, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. All right, and thanks to each and every one of you for joining us tonight also, your new home for real news, RAV TV, Real America's Voice. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow night with all the scoop from here in Palm Beach. Hug your children, love your God, go boldly, and live the truth.